0: drinking water is purified in a 60-second cycle. Find out more at mebottle.com.
1: Welcome to the Truth of Power show in Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm your host, Fiji Nathan, and today we're celebrating our 100th episode. Uh, it's been two years since we first started. I'm here with featured guest Deborah Ayes, who is a Nigerian-born but New York-based writer and poet. Uh, she's been published in over 100 anthologies, magazines, etc., in several countries, She's won various awards and published three collections of poetry. Her two books, Thoughts and Memories, A Collection of Poetry, and The Dawn, Echoes of the Haunted Soul, are now available online as eBooks. She's a volunteer contributor on our Daily Breads, youth brand, YMI, and most recently published in Life at Crossroads, Sydney uh, University of New York, CUNY, uh, Killian's Review of Arts and Letters, Fall, Winter, 2019. Uh, she can be found at her website, Valiant Scribe. Welcome, Deborah.
0: Thank you, VJ. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you, thank you. So why don't we start the conversation off with uh, your ebooks and tell us a little bit about those and and what people can expect to find when they when they get them uh, and a little bit of the process as well? Yeah.
0: Um. Well, I think I'll start with the process and then lead on to the uh, to the books themselves. Um. Well, I started writing when I was very young. Uh, I think uh, about thirteen years. 13 years old um, and in 2005 I, um, I decided that okay I want to share my work uh, with the world and I entered a competition and um, I a competition to be featured in an anthology actually so it wasn't that much of a huge deal uh, but then I was very surprised when my poem got accepted so from then on, I started writing and um, competing and just um, putting myself out there. So in 2009, uh, Thoughts and Memories was born. Uh, it was published uh, in Nigeria for Nigerian audience mainly. But um, it is very universal in nature because it touches on relationships. It touches on uh, you know, social issues, social justice issues, poverty, climate change. So it, it is something that anyone from any country can relate to. Um, and it's universal in that, you know, sense of it. Then, um, in 2016, uh, actually that same year, tw- uh, 2009, another book, I um, was published in the U.S. this time, but, um, called Through the Looking Glass, uh, <laughs> which is, uh, very much like Alice in Wonderland, but anyway, that happened. And then uh, in 2016, A Waiting Dawn: Echoes of a Haunted Soul was also published in Nigeria. Um, so it's been it's been quite a while, and they did well back in my home country. And I decided now, being in the US for a while, I might introduce it as eBooks on, so it reaches a more global audience. So that's basically it. Awaiting Dawn is more social justice oriented. Uh, it talks about human trafficking, um, forced labor, um, climate change to poverty, unemployment. Um, also talks a lot about fate issues, too, and um, touches on even immigration. So it's just like if you're thinking of social issues, that's the book for you.
1: So Waiting John is a collection of essays or it's uh, poetry as well? All poetry. All poetry? All poetry. Yeah. 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 So you do like persona or how do you, how do you take on the social justice themes? Tell us a little bit about how the book treats it. Like, you know, what kinds of poems are there? Uh,
0: Well, I do take on persona. So um, most times I, I do mix it up a lot depending on um, my inspiration for that moment. Um, But quite a few of the poems are in a first-person basis, so it's it's as though, you know, I'm the one experiencing it, even though it has probably no real-life application. um, I draw mainly my um, inspiration from experiences from friends or experiences that I have also gone through. Mm. Um, um, And I... I think the way I'm structured as an individual, I tend to empathize with people and, um, I try to put myself in their shoes. It's like, mm. if I were in this situation, how would I feel? You know, like try to make it as real as possible to me. And that way it makes it easy for me, a little bit easier for me to channel, uh, that grief, that, that pain or that joy into whatever I write.
1: Mm. Yeah, it seems like um, one of the questions was uh, what essential truth do you believe that you see is undervalued in our society? Um, you'd answer about being human. So if you could expand a little bit on that and a little bit about how you think, you know, and dovetailing with what you are saying, you know, about or following what you were saying about, um, you know, the uh, plights of different people who are experiencing, you know, extreme um, duress, uh, how are you able to connect with them in this idea? Yeah,
0: of being human. Well, um, I think I I have a unique perspective, and a lot of millions of women actually have this ex, uh, perspective because, um, one I'm black, two I'm a woman, uh, three I come from Africa, um, uh, where Donald Trump famously referred to as a you know <laughs> you know shithole. So, uh-huh. um, even before we had the Donald Trumps of this world, we there's this perception that people from Africa are, you know, like uncivilized or uh, I, I can't tell you how many times people are shocked that I speak English. Oh, my God, you speak English. You speak English so well. Are you mm-hmm. rich? And I'm like, um, no, I'm just a normal human being. So um, I have experienced um, racism, discrimination, um, gender bias, You you name it all you know you're, you're basically invisible you say something and then it's it's unheard onto someone else with a from a different that has a different historical background says it and suddenly it's it's wood um so in that sense i feel like i i can empathize with people who are marginalized i can empathize with people who um are seen as unequal those who are seen as invisible or those who are seen as less than human just because of where they come from or what color of the skin the skin they are packaged in um I also do not come from a rich background so I do also understand what it means to struggle mm. what it means to fight to to survive basically you know to, to get food on the table um, to just get by sometimes just because of the altruism of your neighbors. So if it's um I'm from a, a country which um, I would say is not a shithole, but does have its social challenges, infrastructural challenges, as with every other country in this world, um, I also know when government fails and when services don't reach people, when... Um, things as simple as water, it's not, um, it's not, can't be banked on unless you you have your own borehole, you know, um, or you supp- You make your own water supply. So I feel like um, my experiences make me understand the humanity of it all, that um, we have 8.7 billion people, oh, is it 7? seven I think so seven, yeah, seven, 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 yeah. seven yeah. um, I I'm not want one billion already seven, uh-huh. seven billion people yeah. on this planet um, and it just about one percent of those are wealthy and there's nothing wrong with that if you work hard and if you know you give back to society if you want to help out your neighbor that's wonderful like I will not begrudge you that but I'm also very much aware that more than half of those people live in abject poverty. Yeah, People go through the trash can just to get food to eat. Um, not a lot of countries even have social welfare for you to fall back on. So I've I've been blessed enough to travel to a few places and the conditions I've seen, I've seen parents have to sell off their daughters um, into human trafficking or I, I, sh- I shouldn't say I've seen, but I've heard of stories or... Um, in, in my country it also happens Um, so very close to home you're know, like people you know that you know it, it's not like a far off story in a magazine yeah. it's a family down the street that you know of you know you hear of this and you know you, they sell their children just for, for to get money to eat for mm. the next day this is not about I'm doing it so I can buy a Bugatti mm. this is basically so I can survive And hoping that she's going to do better, no matter what it is, that she will be better off than this place that she's currently in. Um, So I I guess that's what I mean by humanity and just appreciating that um, people have different life stories. But the main thing is they're human, despite it all. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone has hopes and dreams. Um, Everyone wants to do good. Everyone wants to succeed. Um, Nobody wants to be poor. Nobody wants to be begging on the side of the street. Um, Nobody wants to be treated um, to face, nobody wants to face prejudice because of their social background, because of the color of their skin, because of their gender. We don't choose how we come into this world. We don't choose what family situation we find ourselves in, but we have to make the best of it. And the least that we as human beings can do is to help each other out.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it's really great. And I think that um, when it comes down to it, we have to find a way to empower ourselves in our community so we can find that truth, we can find that aspect that is going to be that shining light. And um, so the question is basically like, what specific truth um acts as a way for your own empowerment? And in what way do you feel that, that kind of has been a guiding light for you?
0: Um well, let's see. For me personally, um, I found truth and I found comfort and I found light um in in the experience of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. So, um yeah, there are many religions in the world and, and there are some people who don't believe in religion, having religion or a savior, or all of that. Um, but for me, I was um, I would say lucky enough, privileged enough um, to develop this relationship with a person called Jesus Christ and um, being more like him, uh, someone who had compassion on the sick, someone who had compassion on um, you know the poor, the, the marginalized too. You know the, the prostitute that everyone was gonna stone to death, and he's like, um, "He who is without sin should throw the first stone." You know, pointed out the hypocrisy of of um of people back then, and all he did was like really love, love, and love, and um he says, you know, to love your neighbor as yourself. So if I can do that, if I can emulate that you know, then I feel that it's a positive change to the world in and of Mm. itself. Yeah, And for me, I feel that that gives me so much peace and a goal and uh, a sense of happiness and joy that I can actually make a positive difference in this world uh, by following the doctrines of my Savior.
1: Thank you, thank you. And um and also I think the Golden Rule was something that came up uh in your answers about how and what is what does the um how does the golden rule play or connect these two ideas about being human and about being Christian, uh, you know, loving your neighbor as yourself basically. Just tell tell us a little bit about kind of how you connect that or and how you connect that with your work and your writing, maybe using like empathy and such and this kind of things. Yeah.
0: Um, so I see the golden rule and humanity. Um, so I think that is a a lovely and it seems, it sounds simple, but it's also a very profound question. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for asking that. Um, so the golden rule is, and thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, and thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. Um, and the, the interesting part is, um, loving your neighbor as yourself, right? Yeah. So I'm just going to start from the basics, which is you have to learn to love yourself.
2: Yeah.
0: Which is something that I think 99% of humanity lacks. <laughs> <It's> just, <Okay. laughs> we don't really love ourselves. We're constantly trying to improve ourselves or change ourselves or beating ourselves over the head. And I think it's, it's a process that one needs to work on because what you don't have, you can't give. And a lot of people who hurt other people, uh, because they are hurting themselves, and so I think first it has to start start with self. If you want to see a better world out there, like on my website, I think the 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 logo is um, one of the things I write on my bio is that the change we seek start with starts with you and me, uh, which means reflect on yourself, think about know yourself, you know, be conscious about who you are, embrace the good the bad, all of that. And in that effort, look at, okay, these are the attributes I want to improve in myself to be a better person. And only when we do that, can we then begin to share that love, share that acceptance, share that mercy, share that um, that will to do good with others, with our neighbors. Mm. So if I accept myself for who I am, I will not be um, in what, what would I um, discriminating against someone else that looks different or looks a certain way because I'm okay with myself. Yeah. Um, to an extent, I know um, there's a lot of psychology that goes into that. Yeah. Um, but then, if I'm not saying that. Um, you think yourself superior to someone else. I'm just saying you accept yourself for who you are and you love yourself. and That way you know that it's okay to love other people more freely, um, more wholesomely. Mm. And also I think it um, breeds tolerance. So loving your neighbors yourself is also about tolerance because we're all different and we all have different ideologies and we have different beliefs and being okay with who you are means that you should be okay with someone else being who they are Mm. because we're all individuals. Even if you have the same religion, the same political view, even if you have the same socioeconomic standing, everyone is an individual and you just have to learn to accept other people as you would want to be accepted yourself.
1: Yeah. It seems like uh, we go around holding ourselves as the principal object of our attention and affection and practicing exchanging self with others, yeah. you know, so that then others become the principal act, act or our or, uh, attention and focus is, is one of the principal uh, steps we need to take. But of course, before that, prior to that, we have to have good self care and self, attention and self-love you know so building on that foundation then only can we go to the next step of exchanging self with others where we can have others as our the object of our affection and the object of our attention and such so it's a very good very good um primer on for people to think about and uh consider um talking a little bit about social media and the phenomena of social media what experiences do you often reflect on was a watershed moment watershed moment in your own process
0: uh well uh social media is uh is an interesting phenomena. Uh I don't know if it's it's a phenomena for the, for good or for bad. Yeah. <laughs> but I can say that um it, it links well with just what we're talking about that um social media has amplified um who we are as human beings because there's this detachment, right? It's like it's person as a fourth person dimension to it where you feel like anything you type or you say or you do is somehow disconnected from you and you don't have to bear the consequences of it Mm. you know when you type it out that's that's the frame of mind and then some people are shocked when it actually has uh, repercussions um but social media is a tool um i think can be for good and can be uh, used for evil too but um it has made me. Um, I think it has ac- accelerated our relations as human beings, or lack of relations from as as human beings. And now all we have are Facebook friends, and all we want are likes, uh, but we don't take the time to connect with um, the person next to us. Mm. So I think that's kind of a um, a side effect that. I feel uh, social media has that shouldn't have on on the flip side. I think it's a, it's a good medium to get um, your message across to uh, a much broader and larger audience Mm. as opposed to one person standing on a steeple.
1: Yeah. It seems like, uh, you know, a lot of people find uh, many people do find, you know, they find the community online, the people who can support them, especially when they're on situations of, uh, duress or in situations where they're being kind of, they're not finding a, a connection to people around them, but it shouldn't like supplant that at the same time. It shouldn't like, it should just be a, a device that's used to find community and find, uh, messages and a lot that they can support you. But at the same time, it shouldn't just like completely replace human to human contact, which is very important to foster as well. Actual communities, you know, um, it should, but it can be a supplement it can be something that can exactly. help you or connect you to actual communities but uh it can definitely be something to amplify messages and 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 assist people but um yeah I mean in regards to um like how people can when they connect with your work uh what people can t- what you hope people will take away from your work and uh then hopefully we'll get a chance to listen to uh, a little bit from your work I, I sorry I didn't uh <laughs> I didn't remember to tell you to they prep you for that but hopefully you have something accessible yeah um, yeah. yeah so good good so why don't we talk so little, before before we get to the actual work why don't we talk a little bit about what do you hope people will get from your work um uh, readers um what what would what you hope they'll take away from your work yeah
0: um most importantly i hope they will take um the takeaway would be action um It's great to be a keyboard warrior. It it helps. Definitely. 100% helps. Um,
1: A keyboard warrior?
2: Yeah.
0: Which means... Back to just circling back to social media, you uh, know, like supporting causes, liking, retweeting, uh, yeah. um, speaking out for what you think is a wrong, you know, in society, and you know, yada yada. yada.
1: Yeah, I think they call it slacktivism. <laughs> it <was> slacktivism. slacktivism. <laughs> slacktivism
0: slacker. I'm, I'm slacktivism. so behind on yeah. the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: but yeah, um, I, I think that is all great and well. But I also think we should go a step further. Um, It could be, winter is going to be really cold this year. Yeah. It could be getting a few extra blankets and hanging out to your neighbor who you know, um, you know. struggling. even they have like
1: coach drive and all that. They have coach coach drives and and all that kind of thing. They have drives to helping the homeless people with uh, the... Winter coats and such—that's always a good charity to give to.
0: That's always a good charity to give to if you don't want to, you know. Although I do, I do highly (sighs) recommend just going out on the street and connecting with people. I know New York can be can be tough. Yeah, I once gave tried to give uh, someone on the street like uh, some food and he flung it back at me. But I'm just saying, you know, you just (laughs) gotta you gotta be brave. You gotta connect with people. Um, I was part of a community. well, it was a group at a previous church I was going to, and every Wednesday we'd go out on the streets and just connect with people and just chat with a lot of people who are like um, who are homeless, so to say. And the stories were so so interesting and so um, should I say not life changing, but it goes back to that whole humanity thing. Yeah. You know, people ju- just see pe- others lying down, uh, you know, on the road, and they're just. A number or something to avoid eye contact with, but these are human beings with hopes, dreams, with stories—really great stories to tell. And um, there's there's nothing better than connecting with people. And I tell you, while it's good to donate to a code drive, there's just there's so much. There's this added value when you give the gift of time. Yeah. To someone else, when you take the time to connect with someone else, so they feel that they're they're seen they're not invisible and someone actually you know cares about them
1: so, yeah. so i gonna listen to a, a sample poem or a sample work from one of your books um when you get a moment uh you can uh, pull it up just let me know uh when you're ready yes yeah um so you can introduce a little bit of the work and then oh go ahead. yeah
0: i think yes but i do that so uh, this I just pulled up and it's on my website, um, but it's not, um, to be honest with you, it's not one of the poems in, in my books, but it's um, it's something quite related to that. Um, it's titled Jaded, and I think it's, it's very fitting for our, our talk today because it, it talks about how um, we lose empathy for those who are struggling in the community around us um it's that lack of empathy that goes on to even having wars like um i have a poem that that's titled hero and it it says uh, in every war uh, a hero is an enemy and an enemy is a hero it depends on your point of view it depends on your perspective um and i think it's it's um if we have enough empathy and we have enough compassion and have enough love for each other so much conflict in this world that stems from greed, from from self, um, self-interest, would be done away with. Mm. It's a very simplistic thing to say, but it's also very true. Um, so I'm just going to dive into it. Um, it goes, I am jaded, the pretense, treachery, deception and lies, dark, unyielding hearts controlled by hate. I am hardened. The war's the conflict, dead bodies pile up, no one is counting, claiming my loss is greater than yours and my life is more important than the other. I am immune to kindness, love, despair calls and beckons, self reigns supreme, national interest perhaps a close second. I have acknowledged your written word is true. The words come to pass. Wars and rumors of war. There's no room to love only one. There's only room to love only one. Self. I am jaded. Empathy becomes apathy. I am liberal or conservative. Or maybe it's the other way around. Undefined and unrefined. Publicly, politically correct. A hypocrite in time with the times. Greed, blood, war. Um, it's very short, and that's
1: about it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. It, it definitely weaves in the personal and the political. You know I think it's a very good example of how you know our personal feelings about each other and such can be woven into the larger tapestry uh, that we're all experiencing. So I, I got vibes of like you know weaving in that personal and the political. so in that, in that regard, I'll ask you, you know, what does the personal political mean to you? Um and, and and truth to power and these kinds of phrase two major phraseologies that the show is kind of uh, fostered around or because of um and we'll talk a little bit about that and how how that works into your aesthetic
0: um I think I'm just gonna loop around again <laughs> I feel yeah. like a broken record right? <laughs> yeah um uh, so I'll just say uh truth to power to me means that uh, unless I'm ready to own my own truth. Um, The real truth hidden beneath all the layers of self that we construct. Um, Unless I'm ready to be fully self-aware, you know, like self-aware of what I am or who I am, then I will not be empowered to live at my full potential. Mm. Um, Truth to power means knowing who you are and utilizing your strengths and your weaknesses to attain your goals. And I really do hope for me, I know those goals are to do good, to make a positive difference, even if it's just to one individual on this planet, you know, just doesn't need to be, uh, you don't need to be an influencer. You don't need to um, impact billions of people, just one person, one person is enough. And I I would just recommend that in owning that truth, um, each of us is, individuals weeds out the bad and focuses on empowering the good in ourselves. Um, So I guess that's my truth to power. And that is what is personal to political, I guess.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that you really illustrated in your poem how you have an understanding of how the personal aesthetic or the personal connections we make are very much connected to um, these, these so-called political narratives or whatever, these political these larger narratives that we're all uh, struggling with and we're all kind of figuring out where we connect with, how we connect with them. So um, talking a little bit about, uh, you know, um, uh, let's see, let's see. Um, well, let's talk about failures and how how failures have informed you, uh, you know, how things that have not succeeded or things that have not um Gone uh, the way you planned, how that's been informed your process, perhaps serendipity or ways in which uh, things that have gone astray have uh, led you back to your principal goals and and uh, aims in life. Yeah.
0: Um. Well, um, I think failures are just as important as successes in life. Um, without failure, you don't learn to be. Um, Persistent. You don't learn to have grit. You don't learn to push forward and to fight for what you believe in. Uh, if we had everything easy, then we wouldn't value anything in life. So I think failure in and of itself forms character, mm-hmm. teaches us perseverance, teaches us to work hard, to attain our goals. Um, and I think it's, it's very much as important as success in life. Um, I think I wouldn't be who I am today if not for the failures and the challenges I've faced. Um, every rejection letter um, that feels like a, a slap or a knock <laughs> down your, you know. Um, every rejection, everything that's piled up helps you to push forward to be better. Mm. Because you're like, okay, it wasn't good enough this time. How do I improve myself? How yeah. do I improve my work? You know, it, it, it just, it helps you grow. If um, everything you did was great, you would never grow. You just stay stagnant. So I think failure is very important. It's a good motivator to um, not only build character, but to also help us be better than who we are. Thank right.
1: you. Thank you. So um, also, uh talking a little bit about other people's work and the influential influential works on yourself and uh, what one work would you um, hope that others will get a chance to experience um, you know that uh, everyone in the world could experience a poem or play or song or film or any kind of book uh, but not counting your own work so what, what work uh, would you hope that everyone can experience Yeah,
0: um, I think one of my favorite quotes um, is I don't know, it's contested. Some call it a poem, others call it a quote. But whichever one it is, um, it's D.H. Uh, Lawrence's poem, or quote, I so say. It's titled A Wild Thing, and it's ingrained in my head. And it goes, uh, it basically says, I never saw a wild thing feel sorry for itself. A small bird will fall, uh, will, I think, drop frozen dead from a ball without ever having felt sorry for itself. And um, maybe that's a bit sadist. I don't know. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. but, but um, I, I, I try to look at it from a, a positive um, perspective, which is um, just push forward. Just yeah. fight the good fight. You know, it, there's there's no time to sit and cry. There's no time. Um, I mean, for our mental health, yes, we should create time to mourn when we need to mourn, to cry yeah. when we need to cry, for all of that. But I'm just saying, at the heat of the moment, for to attain your goal, uh, limit the times of wallowing in sorrow, yeah. and you know, pick up your boots, tie up your bootstraps. Yeah, you're at war. You know, <laughs> you're at war to get things done. You're at war to make this world a better place for generations to come for the people that are here now Mm. um it's uh it's a war that is that's been everlasting good versus evil and um i just want to see as many soldiers on the side of the good you know
1: yeah thank you thank you (laughs) so yeah so this is the 100th episode i was going to talk a little bit about that and about how the process of, the, of my own show and the show uh, has been evolving. And we started in November of 2017. For a long time, I was doing pre-records. I was kind of meeting up with people and we were recording episodes. Um, so the first uh, 35 or so episodes, I think, 35, 36 episodes were um, all pre-records. And then we started going live every Monday at 8 a.m. starting last year, around September, Labor Day, I believe, last year. So it's been about a year, uh, going live. Um, you know, and then, uh, and then I had a bunch of guests, different guests, various guests, uh, you know, just to kind of some of them in the meditative path and the meditative religious path, some of them on the, uh, more leadership path and all this kind of thing. And uh, many writers and poets. So it's, it's a good combination of your good combination or melding of all these different kinds of, uh, aesthetics of like the, uh, uh, also, you, you're part of um, the Redeemers writer group, Writers Group, I believe. Why don't we talk a little bit about that and about how community and how we can form communities and uh, and and support each other? So why don't we talk a little bit about that? And tell us a little bit about the Redeemers Writers Group.
0: Uh, Redeemers Writers Group ha- is a it's a darling of mine. I would say it has a very soft spot in my heart. Um, it's uh it's 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 a wonderful group that's been in existence for over a decade. I I joined fairly recently yeah, in general, I think last year January or so. Um and I loved it. I fell in love with it because the group fosters community like you said by there's just there's just this feeling of of warmth, you know, when you meet with um with people in the group and um, we encourage each other and we strengthen each other. Uh, usually, like a, a normal format for a meeting, I would say, is we would maybe have a panel and on practical things, you know, like um, how to find and book a reading, which would be the, the next uh, topic we'll be discussing yeah. actually on Tuesday, this Tuesday, 19th uh, at 7 p.m. at 1166 uh, 6th Avenue. Um, but I, I and then afterwards we'd we'll go into little breakout sessions where you know everyone is encouraged to bring something you're working on. Uh, it could be something that's past, present. And people just help you improve it with so much love. There's so much constructive criticism that it it strengthens whatever you're writing in. And I think it's during the breakout sessions that you have that you have this feeling of community the most because it's just like four or five people in each session. And then you get to really talk about your your work and uh, challenges you're going through. And what I love is that the group in totality is such an eclectic mix of artists. So we have uh, screenwriters, we have poets, we have authors, we have editors, um, you know, people that work in publishing houses. We have um, people who uh, are podcasters and a philanthropist. We it's it's just this whole mix of people. We have people that work that write for the Wall Street Journal, you know. Yeah. Okay. So it is it's just this mix of anyone and you can find them there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's um it makes it very fluid that way and very wholesome, I would
1: say. Yeah, and also pulling from your bio about uh that you're a volunteer contributor to our daily bread's youth brand. Why am I? So tell us a little bit about that. And uh, can you ask the question, why, why am I? Or why, why am I? Why? <laughs> I know, yeah, I know yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. What's so, your answer? What's your take on that? Uh, why? Ask joining why with existence. Yeah.
0: So, um, I started writing for, uh, as some may know, um, our daily bread is, is I think well known in mainly the global South. And Asia, uh-huh. it's very, it's um, it's a ministry that's very well known. They usually have devotionals that they mail out to people every like three months and stuff. And in, a few years ago, I want to say a decade ago, because the years really fly by very fast these days. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the youth branch was established, which is why am I? And it's it's the it's actually why am I in existence what is what am I here for you know um, why am I me you know so um, that talks to that and I was I think I had sent in a poem I started by sending in poems and then um, they approached me to write an article a devotional I think in
2: 2016,
0: mm-hmm. I might be wrong. Oh, okay, nobody judge me on this, please. Uh-huh. Um, and ever since then, I've been writing devotionals for them. Um, I have a very busy schedule, so I don't get to write as much as I would love to. Um, but whenever I get a chance, I do write something and I send it in. Um, actually, I have. Um, I'll be writing. Uh, something for Christmas. I don't know what yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> I'll also be writing something for January. And I think um, uh, that would be focused on um, uh, three things to kind of, uh, three ways to invigorate your prayer life, so to say, or connecting with the Bible. Some really Christian stuff. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh.
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, good. So just to return to the essential question, so how, how is your approach or thoughts on when you can join uh, why for with Existence or what is your essential thoughts on that? Is there, is, there, uh, is there an answer to that question or is it something we have to wrestle with or is there an essential uh, uh, truth there that maybe you can reveal a little bit about to our audience? Um, existence. Uh, the ever,
0: Ever-present question. Yeah, Why are
1: we it's something I always wrestle with, I think. So you have to really <laughs> think about and reflect on a process, but uh, I guess a little insight into your own process. Of,
0: okay, that's question. Yeah, let me see. Um, well, it, it was a long process, I'll tell you that for sure. Yeah, um, but personally, I will enunciate this really clearly. Personally, for me, um my existence is to be in a relationship with God. Um, If you, I love my Bible. I, I just, I just follow my Bible. Like, uh I don't follow pastors or churches or doctrines. You know, there's so many denominations out there. There's so many people saying whatever and being whatever, but I just love to go back to the source, the book itself. And that can be contested Yeah. over its, you know how it came to be yet that's another discussion but in the bible it says um god made man in his own image and if you go back like you rewind straight to um genesis um a man was a companion for god so he was god's friend god would come by and they would chat like buddies and just commune with each other and i'd like to say God just wanted someone else in his image who he could chat with, you know, someone to be a buddy, be a friend. And um, Jesus says he's our friend, you know. Um, So I can see that playing out, that whole narrative playing out throughout the scripture about just being in companionship, worshiping God, um, being a friend of his. And I have found that to be so comforting in my relationship with Christ knowing that he's like a friend that will never fail me. Um, one that is faithful, one who chases after me. Um, so that, that has, that is my reason for existence to commune with God and to be his friend.
1: Thank you. Thank you. So I'll do a couple of quick announcements. Um, this year, listening to Truth to Power Show, I'm Ready for Brooklyn, our hundredth episode. Uh, thank you for listening to Ready for Brooklyn. Uh, Ready for Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. His mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community, to promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. So to help support our mission, we invite you to make a one-time donation, or monthly pledge at radiobrooklynorg donate. Every cent helps us continue to stay on air. Um, so by pledging whatever you can afford, you will support independent community media. All contributions are tax deductible to folks sent to law. You can also donate to Radio for Brooklyn by shopping through Amazon Smile, Amazon charity initiative where you can shop and support a nonprofit of your choice at the same time. It'll cost you nothing. Just go to readyforkland.org slash smile to sign up and have Brooklyn as your donee and start shopping. Um, go to uh, readyforkland.org slash donate to make those donations or go to readyforkland.org slash truth to power to sponsor this particular show. Uh, if you so desire, um, if you're listening to the computer and listening to this show through your computer, you can free yourself up by getting the mobile app for your iPhone or Android. Go to uh, the individual Play Stores for iPhone or Google Play Store for Android. And you can download the app, so, Ready for Brooklyn app. It's a free app, so you can download and listen to it on your phone. Um, make sure you sign up for our newsletter. Uh, subscribe for our monthly newsletter for latest about new programming, upcoming RFB events. Swag and more. Uh, you can sign up at readyfibrillin.org slash newsletter. Uh, finally, uh, Me Bottle is an important sponsor. So we want to uh, follow this read. Uh, after more than a year of dreaming, researching, experimenting, late night conference calls, and early Saturday morning meetings, the Me team is happy and proud to present to you the Me Bottle. This double insulated, reusable stainless steel bottle disinfects water in a 60 second cycle utilizing UVC LED technology, and is 99.99% effective against E. coli. single charger on micro-USB lasts up to 30 days. And the bright LED display lets you know when water is ready to drink. Join us in bringing clean water to you all. Raise your bottle and drink to you and me. Find out more at MeBottle.com. Thank you. Um,
0: MeBottle sounds exciting.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a good company, and I hope people will... Check them out. Um, yeah, why don't we listen to another poem uh, before we go out? Um, why don't we listen to another poem of yours that we can uh, settle in with? Thank you.
0: Thanks. Um, so this one is from um, Awaiting Dawn, Echoes of a Haunted Soul. Um, it's about human trafficking. Um, as anyone who is um, who knows about a topic or those who don't, um, Human trafficking is slavery, basically. Um, is the largest it's ever been in the history of man at this time um, in our existence. And human trafficking, in and of itself, which is like a subset of slavery, is um, it's one of the fastest growing criminal industries in the world, actually, and is you know the su- uh, the second largest criminal industry. Uh, second only to drug trafficking and um, you know it's used to suppress um, women children men into sexual slavery, forced labor and uh, it's a global scourge that affects communities from every continent this isn't just a developing world thing um, people are trafficked from Europe, from the US all over um, this is a, a short poem about a lady who has um, survived human trafficking and has gone through the um through the valley of the shadow of that I would say and come through to the other end. But now it's time for her to heal. Uh, so it's titled "She Lives," and um, it simply goes like this: She had forgotten how to smile. She looked into the mirror urging her muscles to remember the pattern. Her fingers edged her cheeks upward, tracing the outline of what she sought. She clawed into the depths of her soul, into the darkness that plagued her. She searched for a marble, a sparkle of joy and light. They had put her down, stripped her of her purity, charted her like an object. Sold her to the highest bidder. Her identity was lost in more ways than one. But she'd survived, she'd escaped. So now she rebuilds. A new identity. A brave new voice. Fighting for the voiceless. Protecting the innocent. Past the hate, anger, and nightmares. Building on precious lost years. Healing from within. Telling the world her story learning about love and happiness, walking out in freedom and embracing life as the sun rises at dawn. Like a dead seed sprouting to life, she's gradually moving past her horror and learning to find her smile again.
1: Thank you, thank you. So it's very nice to hear that poem as an example from, uh, that was from the collection, uh, Awaiting, dawn. Awaiting Dawn, right, yeah. And that was a persona poem, right? That was like in the personality of someone who's been, or in the, um, guys of a person who's been, uh, character being narrating from their perspective. Mm. So it was very good. And it was a very good sense of, you know, the struggles that the person, the speaker went through and all this kind of thing. And we talked a little bit earlier in the show for those just tuning in about the process and a little bit of the process and the philosophical outlook that, um, helped underpin the writing and composition of that. Um, so anything more you'd like to add about that particular piece or about um, your process in general before we close? Any other closing thoughts? You can also give shout-outs to your uh, websites and social media as we start to close down, as we wind down.
0: Uh, yeah. Um, uh, for anyone who writes out there, uh, I just want um, to say reach into who you are, empathize with those around you, Read a lot, travel if you can, and just um try to see life through the eyes of others. Um I'm on Facebook, that's about it. And uh my my handle on Facebook is Miss, that's M S Deborah I S. That's D E B R A A Y I S. That's M S D E B R A A Y I S. And my website is valiant and um yeah check out my two books on amazon kindle you can get it for free if you're on kindle unlimited or just for 5.99 if you know you want to buy it yay um so (laughs) yeah if you just type in my name deborah is that's d-e-b-r-a-n-a-y-i-s um both books should come up
1: good good. thank you thank you and we still have a few more minutes to chat a little bit more um about anything that's coming up for you, about things that are coming on, uh, upcoming uh, readings or anything like that, or anything that's coming up for you? Uh, um, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, just this uh, Sunday that went past, um, I was at Trinity Church at um, Wall Street. They had the, the biannual poetry festival, so that was great. I read as part of the Redeemer's Writers Group, and um, Redeemer Writers Group, sorry. Um, I'm doing this interview now. Yeah. <laughs> Tomorrow yeah. I'll be on a panel um, speaking about uh, how to find book readings. And um, I will also, uh, two of my articles will be coming up on Why I in December and January. I'll also be reading at an impact concert on, on supporting menstrual health management efforts in uh, the US and in a few countries in Africa. So I'll be speaking at that. And I'll also be, um, escapes me. Well, it's all on my website. If you just yeah, go to I about, you. I have this whole link of, of things. Oh, and I have a poem coming out in a literally uh, literary journal in December too, heart and soul literary journal and I have a piece coming out on that too. Okay. Um, yeah.
1: So as our, before we go to our song, don't you tell us a little bit about why you selected uh, "Dare You to Move" by Switchfoot? Have you selected any, any resonance with you, or what was the? Oh yeah,
0: yeah. That's that's my wake up song. Uh, okay, not really, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it resonates so much with me. Uh, just like the poem I shared with about DH, um, the DH Lawrence one. It's saying, you know, get up, you know, do something. Um, yeah. Just don't. Even if they kick you down, don't stay down. Just get up, do something, move, crawl, run, whatever it is. Just make a difference. Do something positive. Do something good. Be the change you want to see in this world. Um, And that's just it. And Switchfoot is like my all-time favorite band. So you can always catch me rocking out to them at concert whenever they come to New York City. So
1: So this is our 100th episode. I hope listeners will go to slash shoot to power and listen to our uh, previous 99 episodes uh, you could binge listen to it over the holidays great way to spend your holiday season and binge listen to the shoot to power show uh, we have um, we're gonna keep going we'll keep the team going but um, we've had some really great guests and, and this one included uh, you know in the past hundred episodes so I hope people will listen I'll probably try to figure out a way to do like a guide to. So I can kind of organize the show a little bit more. So people are listening, looking for particular topics or particular kinds of guests can have a little bit of a way of managing the 100 episodes. So newbies, a newbie's guide to Truth to Power Show, I'll probably end up creating. Uh, we have about two more minutes. And the song is about four minutes long. So we have about two more minutes. Um, also, people can find out about my own writings at Uh I have two books uh, published uh, Escape from Samsara from 2016 and Celebrity Sadhana or How to Meditate with a Hammer from 2018 uh, these poems are uh, out there so you can I put some sample poems out on my website as well uh, so people should definitely check that out um, yeah yeah and then we rebroadcast on Thursday at 9am so we, we originally aired Monday at 8am but we rebroadcast at Thursday at 9am for now but you should always check the ch- schedule to confirm that. So, um, thank you, thank you so much, Deborah, for being here.
0: Thank you so much for having me. Thank it's you. an honor.
1: Thank you. So we'll play Dairy to, Dairy to Move now.
0: And congratulations. Thank you. Hundred yeah. episode. Yeah. yeah, it's
1: really great to have the hundredth episode <laughs> and and to feel like uh, you know, see about thirty more seconds, and we're going to Dairy to Move. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you to our listeners, and I hope you'll uh, you'll definitely tune in some more. Thank you. Welcome to the
2: planet. Welcome to existence. Everyone. Everyone's here, Everyone see Everybody's war